Hello once again, everybody. Thank you for joining me on this Tuesday, July 28th edition of Bang the Book Radio. My name is Adam Burke, your host for the next 20 to 25 minutes here as we're going to go in rapid fire fashion with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We'll chat WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. We'll talk a little bit of NASCAR at New Hampshire. Then we'll take a look at the Eastern Conference Series for the qualifying round that begins here on Saturday in the NHL bubble up in Toronto. Over at bangthebook.com, I've written about 6,000 words on today's MLB card. So make sure you head on over there and check that out. I put a lot of time into it. So I'd appreciate it if you took the time to read through it there. I believe there are four plays, maybe five, uh, in the article here for today's action. Also over there, I'm going to do some series preview stuff for the NHL playoffs. Got a golf preview up. We'll do NASCAR here probably tomorrow, I think. Uh, We got golf daily fantasy tips. We got some NBA stuff from Charles J., Lots going on in the sports world, and we're covering it all for you over at bangthebook.com. Finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio, presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook, BTB, and the number 200 is that promo code, 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook, 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. We've got one guest on today's show. That is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio, Vegas Hockey Hotline, the Hockey Betting Podcast, the Betmaker Golf Betting Podcast. Very busy man here, Brian. How's it going today, buddy? All right, pal. Um, we'll see. Uh, the, the next few days are going to be big here. Uh, if if the catcher or the first baseman or the home plate umpire for the Phillies come down with something uh, that ain't gonna be good <laughs> that's all i'll no. say i i think the key to the whole thing are those three people if, if if you're you're you know just being in proximity to another team that had an outbreak and somehow if you're in proximity to them and something happens with those guys pull the plug honestly god i, I swear th- for baseball i think those three guys specifically other than that, okay, the Marlins, somebody you know went out, did something they shouldn't have done, and it went through the room. Hopefully they manage it and you get on with it. But if, if those guys, a three-game set, and the guys that more often than not were in proximity to Marlins players were the umpires, the catcher, and the first baseman for the Phillies. If anything happens with those guys, God bless all of us. Yeah, and it's it sort of looks like, I mean, more than half of the Marlins' 30-man roster now has tested positive for it. So something, obviously, as you mentioned, going through that locker room. But, you know, you look at the NHL, and, and we'll obviously talk about the qualifying round here in a few minutes, but the NHL with no positive tests at all from July 18th to July 25th. So the NBA obviously doing pretty well now that everybody's into Orlando Looks like the bubble is the way to go. So it's the, only the NFL, the NFL better figure something out. College, they're not going to be able to do it. The NFL better figure something out here in a hurry. No, I think that's that's true. I mean, listen, uh, horse racing, golf, NASCAR found a way with minimal problems, problems, but minimal manageable problems. Uh, the bubble. Every I think the NHL is has been and is in the best position to pull this off. I think they did the best work on the front end. Uh, the NBA, if guys, you know, do what they're supposed to do, probably okay. 
But the football thing, Adam, that's that's a whole nother kettle of fish, kid. Because it is. You know, I I said this on March twentieth. You know, third play of the game, running back goes off left tackle, gets hit, blindsided, fumbles the ball. Seven guys jump in a pile. Got him. Guy at the bottom of the pile's got it. You know, the other six guys on the pile get it. <laughs> so, uh, and I don't know if it was last week. If maybe it wasn't. I did it with you. I'm sorry. They run together doing all this stuff. But on Real Sports on HBO, they had the insiders from all, uh, well, from basketball, hockey, and football. And the question was, scale of 1 to 10, uh, the number you put on your sport to complete the season. And uh, Aldridge from the, uh, on the NBA side said, I believe 8, I believe, um, Verducci for baseball, I thought he said six. And then Peter King comes in talking about football and said four. I mean, that's <laughs> that's not good, man. You know, this is Peter King. I mean, he ain't going to bite his nose off to spite his face. And he's saying you're trusting 22, 23-year-old kids that you're getting get a lot of money for the first time. You're trusting these guys to you know go to the – Go to the facility, practice, play games, and go home. And that's not going to happen. No, and, and and I, think I know, too. by the way, an army. I mean, you know, you're talking, you know, you know more than a hundred people per organization. And if it, and if it goes like, what happens? What happens if it goes like wildfire through a team? You know, on a Friday morning, uh, you know, week four, and, and uh, I don't know the Falcons. 37 guys, what is it, a forfeit? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, you don't have a minor league system. You know, you've got a practice squad, but you don't have a minor league system like you have, you know, in Major League Baseball or you don't have like a G League squad like you have uh, in the NBA. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what you do. And we're seeing a lot of players in the NFL opt out, a lot of first and second year guys even kind of opting out. And, I don't know if maybe that speaks to, you know, their level of trust in the protocols that the NFL has suggested or just kind of looking at what's happening with Major League Baseball here. But six Patriots have already opted out. So if you had global well, pandemic in the pool for how the Patriots get Trevor Lawrence, uh, you may end up winning that one. And you bring up a great point. I, we'll see in the next few days with the Marlins, but I, the, the end result of this the trickle down how many guys may indeed in in many sports say no uh uh-uh, and opt out they say look they, these guys made it three days i you know i it's i don't know my friend i don't know either but we'll get on to some happier news here and, and that's the wgc fedex st jude invitational at tpc southwind and may's these transitions these days feel so cold and callous with everything that's going on. No, but. you know what? I honestly, I, I no, I, it's funny. I because I do this all the time. You know, we're talking about sports betting, and usually, if 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 there's something horrible, you know, a tragedy befalls an athlete or a team, and well, I mean, we had we had to do this here uh, after the October one shooting uh, in Vegas a few years ago. So how do you what do you do? How do you talk about sports? I didn't know what to do. I mean, you know, every every time you got to put the caveat on it. I mean, listen. I mean, you know, or the the, the thing. 
but then there are things that are coming up that there's a reaction to that thing, and you got to find the way to do the transition. The only thing I could think of, and, and honestly, she was wonderful. I got hold of Mayor Goodman, and she came on the show on the Tuesday after the October one thing, and we went through the whole thing and said, "What do we do? I mean, we how do we we got to go forward?" But I, you know, it was almost it was almost like. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like one of these things. Like she gave gave you permission to. We've we've got to find a way to go for it. It's impossible when something's so bad. And then okay, but by the way, uh, you know, there's a game tomorrow, and uh, so uh, what do you think? Uh, does that mean you know knock the total down a half a half a point? You know, it's crazy. How it, do you do? It really it? is. I. It's difficult. It definitely is. So well, we try to distract ourselves the best we can, I guess. And and we do have a great field here uh, at TPC Southwind. 45 of the top 50 in the official world golf ranking on hand for this one. Obviously, massive prize pool, $10.5 million, extra FedEx Cup playoff points with the WGC status and the invitational status as well. So we cut the field about in half. No cut for this one because we've got such a small field. John Rahm, your 11-1 favorite. Rory and Bryson DeChambeau, 12-1. Same thing with Justin Thomas. Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, 18 to 1. Bunch of quality players between 20 and 40. DJ, Morikawa, Hovland, Berger, Matsuyama, Kepka, Finau, just to name a few. Really, really good field here. Par 70, a long par 70. Looks like distance off the tee will be pretty important this week. Yeah, and, you know, horses for courses. Dustin Johnson has six WGC events. He's got a couple of wins on this course, but he's not healthy and forms terrible. Uh, Daniel Berger is the one, I think, that becomes really interesting. Uh, he won this event before it was a WGC event in 2016 and 2017, back-to-back years. Now the guys come back from injury and is just lighting it up every week he goes out there. He's got two wins on the course, and his game is completely back. So, uh, honestly, if I if I said to you today, uh, you know, in this event, Daniel Berger, who's twenty eight to one, and Dustin Johnson's twenty eight to one, who are you playing in a matchup? Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd have to play Berger. I mean, DJ right? just he just looks bad. I mean, the back to back eighties at the Memorial. Yeah, he yeah. is. He's hurt. Yeah and, yeah, and that's a big thing, you know, at this time of the year. I mean, guys are trying to push through stuff because they haven't been making any money, you know, over the course of the shutdown. Not that Dustin Johnson needs money, obviously, but, you know, it's still nice to get those paychecks, go out there and, you know, make some money and play some golf. And, I mean, we all wish we could be so lucky. But, yeah, he, he's not healthy. And, and Berger's a guy that, you know, he was first and third in those first two events back. He's kind of picked his spots a little bit since then. You mentioned he had that, you know, potentially career-ending wrist injury that he came back from. So he's kind of limited himself a little bit. That's kind of the question about this event, though, is I look at a guy like Brooks Kepka. You know, 28-30 to 1. He was 33 to 1 at some places earlier in the week. How do you Can't not take Brooks Kepka at this uh, point? I don't I don't know. I don't, his current form's horrific. I don't, I, you know, I, he's, he's another one that did, what did he have an MRI in his knee a few weeks ago? I, I don't know. He, he can't find a fairway off the tee. Can he find it, fix it? And, and then contend, I guess. Sure. But I, it's almost I, to me, it's way, way big, uh, too big a leap of faith, uh, to take just from a current form perspective. Clearly. I mean, you look at that number and you're like, what's that all about? Well, he's not right. 
uh, of the favorites, you know, you can't knock anything Rom did at Memorial. I think the Shambo's really interesting, twelve to one. I'm not going near him. Uh, he that had the meltdown at the Memorial on one hole. He went ten cup. He had a framazoid. I, I think that motivates this guy. He'll be fiery and, and he's contended basically in every tournament. So he'll be very polarizing, fun to watch. Uh, you know, Justin Thomas had the one tournament, one gave it away. McElroy's up and down right now. The guy I love, and I, I guess I'm kind of happy to see this, uh, my top pick that I'm I'm very much all about, and I bet him yesterday at 24 to 1, and he's been bet down to 18, is Xander Shoffley. I, I love Shoffley this week. He had a bad week at the Memorial, and the funny thing was, I learned more about this kid. I knew about him, but I, I, I mean, I just love him even more. Uh, I watched him the first two days. The way that, by the way, the way they cover golf is horrific. It's just awful on television. You know, the first page of the leaderboard, there's seven guys. Well, there's two guys on the second page that are three shots back that, that can win the tournament that you don't see, you know, until they're tied for the lead. You know, and I know there are limitations because of the pandemic, but good God, man, show golf shots. The But Shoffley had a real bad first two days at the Memorial. And you know what? He didn't sit there. He wasn't slamming clubs. He wasn't cursing or John or barking with his caddy. He just pat his head down. And his demeanor on a bad day made me love the kid even more. And and he, he steps up to the plate in the WGC events and contends. And I, I just think, you know, in the next, with all the great young players that are coming up here, I think in the next, you know, decade, Shoffley, there's majors in his future. And it's a WGC event. Of the chalkish guys, Shoffley is by a good margin my favorite player here. Webb Simpson, by the way, was the runner-up in this tournament last year, and he's in really good form. But it's Shoffley for me with some bombs to come. Yeah, I like Shoffley, too, and I've seen a lot of people like Shoffley this week, which it's kind of scary in some respects, but we're all sort of thinking the same thing here. Opening round 78 at the Memorial, oh, was he was awful. in line to miss the cut, and he finished 13th. He finished tied for 13th, well, could have made a top 10 it, if he had rolled in a couple more putts on the last day. It's it's funny, man. I mean, we say this in football sometimes or other sports. I think you can learn more about a team we used to do, when I first got out to Vegas, you know, we we dreamed up a thing called the Odds Makers poll when I was over at LVSC. You know, you're sitting there and you're looking at the AP Top 20, and, you know, we're sitting there, number nine's playing number two, and number nine's a four-and-a-half-point favorite. We're sitting there going, what the hell is this poll? You know, let's do the Odds Makers poll. And the, and the thing about the Odds Makers poll was a team could lose a game and their power rating would go up. You could learn more about a team in defeat and not, not penalize them. They lost the game. But, my God, this team, you know, was a 13-point dog and you know, lost by four but fumbled twice in the red zone or something. You're saying, oh, these guys are way better than we thought. They, and they, they, they would lose the game, and we'd actually up them, and it was a fair and honest poll. And I think you can learn more about somebody, how they handle the bad things or in defeat, and that was Shoffley at Memorial. He could have packed it in. Friday night, Saturday morning, he could have gone out there, just slapped it around and got the hell out of there, and he just grinded away. I, I learned more about that kid, you know, on a tournament he finished 13th than one he finished 2nd. 
No, I totally agree. And and something else about the course this week is I was kind of looking at some of the stuff over at datagolf.com, and they do an excellent job with that. I was looking at that, and, you know, I was looking at what was really valuable in this tournament last year. And something that I found interesting is that it looks like the greens were a lot feistier for the Invitational than they were for the former St. Jude Classic, where a lot of the best players didn't go because of the timing of the tournament. It fell between majors and all that kind of thing. But putting was really important last year. And that's interesting because a lot of tournaments here recently have been all about strokes gained approach, all about the ball striking. Shuffle is a good ball striker, but you don't see people talking about Khaled Morikawa as much this week. You don't see them talking as much about Victor Hovland this week. You don't see as much about Hideki Matsuyama this week because the flat stick will be important. And if you look at this course, some of these greens are enormous and there'll be two tiered greens with slopes. A lot of them protected by water, stuff like that. So I think putting is really important this week. Shoffley putted very well at the Workday Charity Open, not as well at the Memorial, but as you talked about, he kind of grinded his way through it. So I think maybe you look for some putters this week here as some of the longer shots. Is that kind of the direction you went? Well, yeah. I mean, it's all part and parcel, part of the equation. I mean, just hearing your description of that, I mean, I think I didn't use him, but I mean, I would look at a guy like a Kisner, you know, who can really roll the flat stick. I think the the break hurt Sung Jm more than anybody. I mean, this kid was consistently in the twenty five to thirty range. When the light bulb, I'll tell you one thing: when M contends again, and hopefully you don't miss the boat that he actually wins the thing. But when he contends again, start riding this kid because he he basically is an ATM machine, and now he knows how to win. Uh, a, a bomb price uh, that I'll I'll use here is a guy I played last week. And I'm like, well, what was I thinking? On Thursday, he shoots 73. I'm like, I don't know what you were thinking on that one. Well, he comes back, shoots 66, 66, 68. Uh, and he was threatening to post a number, and he, fl- he flattened out a little bit, but he had, he had to go really low. It was Burnt Weisberger. And you know, I, I said, this, this, this guy's a world-class player. He's another one of these European guys. He's going to start to make a go of it on the PGA Tour. Well, the WGC event, man, they, they, these guys are all there for a reason. But I, I learned something about Bert Wiesberger last week. I, I took a flyer on him on the front end of the tournament at 150-1, to 1, and he shot himself out of the tournament, in essence, on Thursday, but then played great. So he figured something out. So he's coming in here in really good form, and in no way, shape, or form should this guy be 140-1. to 1. So there, there's my bomb for you. And... But it is the WGC, and and the one you can go down, and I mean this with all sincerity. You can go down to a guy like Sung Kang, at five hundred to one, because there'll be a guy, there'll be a guy contending this week, uh, that's a grenade price. These are the top sixty-four guys in the world, and what's great about the what I love about the WGCs, there are no cuts. So everything we just said about a guy like Shoffley. You have a bad first round. Well, maybe the tournament they're toast to, you know, but they have that bad round. All of a sudden, you're getting value on these guys in the matchups on the weekend. So somebody stubs their toe but figures it out. They're probably not going to hit the top five, but you can sit there and hammer them in a matchup because there's no cut. Yeah, no, I totally agree. The, the one that I like here, and this isn't as big of a bomb price as the one that you mentioned. Matthew Wolf is 80 to 1, and, and Matthew Wolf hits it a hell of a long way. 
Driving distance is important here. Last week, he was very, very good putting at the 3M Open. Sixth in strokes gained off the tee at Memorial. That's on a pretty tough course. I think Wolf's a guy that's got a a pretty good skill set. And and again, you know, all these guys in that 22 to 28 type of range, the Morikawas, the Wolfs, the Hovlins, the Shawflays. I mean, we may see a little bit of a passing of the torch here in maybe not this year, but maybe next year where these guys start to really get there in majors, stuff like that. I think Wolf is one of those players that has the upside to do that. And much like Shoffley, who, as we talked about already and both of us like, plays really well in these loaded types of fields, I think you start to look for a guy like a Wolf. We've already seen Morikawa and Hovland do that, but a guy like Wolf maybe takes that next step and saves his best for these loaded fields too. No, absolutely. Uh, Wolf was a guy we talked about uh, on the golf podcast. He's close, and uh, if he gets if he gets the putter going, he's dangerous. But he does, and when he gets hot, man, he flag hunts. Uh, but but his form, you know, every now and again, if he sprays it a little bit, is when he gets in trouble. But he is really close to cracking the door to you know to be the, one of the next good things. Kind of, you know, the way DeChambeau just exploded on the scene and he's there every week wolf is close to being that kind of guy where he's in the discussion every week and and those numbers go and if he wins again that's the thing with this sport uh adam if he wins again he's 25 to 1 the rest of the year yeah yeah now's probably a pretty good time to hop on a guy like him at 80 to 1 again he was the reigning champ i believe from the 3m open last week played well enough wasn't necessarily there at the end but Played well enough to give me some confidence here for this week at TPC Southwind. We transition over to the NASCAR side of things really quickly here because I want to make sure we've got some time to talk NHL. We're up at Loudoun, New Hampshire here for the Foxwoods Resort Casino 301. Little over a mile long here. So this is one of those intermediate tracks. And as we kind of look at the odds, it's the usual suspects. You know, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch. Uh, Chase Elliott, Brad Keselowski, all those guys that are always up at the top, Danny Hamlin, all those guys that are usually up there, they're up there this week. Elliott is down the board a little bit here with this being the one-mile surface, but any thoughts on uh, what we're looking at here this weekend at New Hampshire? Well, what I'm excited about is once we get by this one, we're back into that mode where we're getting like four races in the blink of an eye, back-to-back uh, at Michigan, uh, boatload of uh, races that are coming up. I, how, how do you go any further than <laughs> let's, the past winners? Kevin Harvick, the last two, Kyle Busch, Danny Hamlin, and Kevin Harvick. You know, so basically it, it's been the Harvick and Hamlin show all year, and these guys have won, modern math here, what have they won for the last five? <laughs> Did you, do you go any further than that uh, those two guys no I, I don't think you have to i mean I you know they, you have, they have the either. cars you know they, they've had the cars all year long the teams are doing well you know and, and these are two drivers that i mean they, they don't make the mistakes that some guys do you know they don't get into the wrong line rub with somebody you know more often than not they're finishing races and when they finish a race with the cars that they have they're going to be up front so yeah, there's not a whole lot of value on Harvick at plus 360 or Hamlin at plus 400, but 
again, matchups, group finishes, stuff yes. like that. That that's where you attack NASCAR right now with these guys. Yeah, and you know what? If there's a guy, jeez, and I, and I know I'm pretty sure it was you, Adam. Again, I apologize. I'm like, oh, was it Adam or was it this guy? <laughs> uh, I think you were the one who was yapping about Eric Jones. Was it last week? Possibly. Yeah. It was right. Yeah. Uh, he's got a fast car. I mean, the, the guy that shows up every week is Blaney. The guy's snake bit. And the other guy that kind of has the same kind of thing going on to a degree is an Eric Jones. The problem is the cat's out of the bag and Blaney's going to be eighth to one every week. And, and a, you know, a Jones is going to be, get you more, I don't know, what do you got on Jones? Uh, what is Jones here? Let's see. We got Jones at uh, 25. Well, there you go. And, and Okay. And then Blaney, what, six, eight? Eleven. Oh, all right. Well, still, I mean, he's there every week. I mean, Blaney literally's got a rocket sled. They, they, I don't. They just screw it up in the pits, make mistakes in the pits, or he grazes the wall, or he gets. I mean, he's Blaney, right? I, don't you think? I mean, the amount of laps he's led this year, Blaney could have won four races this year at least. Yeah, he definitely could have. We've got seven races here in the next twenty-seven days. Hello. back to back at Michigan next weekend. Daytona back to back at Dover, then Daytona again before we head on into the Cup Championship playoffs. So should be a lot of fun here over the next four weeks in NASCAR, and it's definitely going to be a lot of fun in the NHL. They've got exhibition games starting today. The playoffs officially start on Saturday, where you've got the qualifying rounds for the best of five, and then you've got the top four seeds in each conference playing their little round robin to determine seeding for the next round. And Brian, I guess let's go ahead and just take a look real quickly here at these series prices for the qualifying round. We touched on the Western Conference last week, so if you missed that, go back, check out the end of last Tuesday's show where we talked about those. The Canadians and the Penguins will be the first one here. Penguins a minus 230 favorite over at DSI Sportsbook for this series. They are the biggest favorite by far of these qualifying round prices. Is it going to be that easy for Pittsburgh? Well, I don't understand why it's such a big number. I mean, I don't think Pittsburgh is dominant by any stretch of the imagination. I I think clearly they've got the best players. You've got Crosby and Malkin. Um, The goaltending can be a little bit suspect. The, the, The thing that's scary to me, everybody, oh, Montreal, short series, Carey Price. Can it happen? Yeah. Is it going to? No. I don't think. You know, but I do think the number's a little, a little too high to lay that kind of number when we don't know that these guys, you know, the Penguins get up there and they're, you know, they're stuck in their rooms and they go down to the ping pong table and they're, you know, playing Call of Duty or Fortnite after the fifth day and they look at each other and go, this sucks, let's get out of here. I, you know, I mean, I'm not laying any big number with anybody in this thing. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, I mean, what what is too big of a number here in a best of five where all of these teams are, you know, essentially on equal footing? I mean, they've had their little camps and, you know, they've gotten ready for the season as best they can, or the uh, playoffs as best they can. But, you know, is, is Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh form for this? Well, I don't know. Uh, well, in this, okay. Okay, take it with a grain of salt here. Okay, but it's, it's going to sound... I'm not bragging or soccer, okay? 
I watch the World Cup. I watch the CONCACAF Gold Cup. I enjoy that. Now, I may actually start doing Premier League stuff for a simple reason. I've gotten into this MLS stuff. And the only reason I did is it's the same thing as why I like the World Cup. Because I know next to nothing. I know enough to be dangerous, but I don't follow soccer. Well, once this MLS thing, the you know, we're sitting here, there's nothing on TV. And at the very beginning of this tournament, I sat down and I watched the game. And then I'm, I'm listening to, and now it's a tournament, and here's the, the pools and the, and the groups. And, it, and I'm like, all right, I start watching this stuff, Adam. I'm hammering it. I mean, I've watched them. Okay, yeah, this team's really good. Our LAFC, oh, they're they're the nuts. They're they're really good. Uh, you know, uh, last night, uh, you know, it played them. It was like a ridiculous plus a dollar fifteen to win the game, and they should have won by six goals. I mean, you know, so anyway, but I'm talking all of it. I've watched all of them, and and it's the eyeball test. So the, the long winded story is, the hockey thing is going to be the exact same thing. Because there are too many unknowns. We don't know who wants to be there. So you watch the thing, and you'll sit there and go, well, oh boy, Ovechkin, he's doing flybys. He could have killed that guy, and he just skated by the guy. You're going to see things, you go, they don't look like them. Their head, they're saying the right thing, but their head's not in it. And I think by watching these teams and who embraces the situation, um, who's come off the shelf, who looks crisp, who looks rusty, you know, we, we can talk to we're blue in the face and rattle off names and trends. And they, this is the eyeball test. You got to watch and see are they into it? And that's where we're going to make money in this thing. The Rangers and the Hurricanes here, Carolina's minus 145. I, I feel like I've seen a lot of people. Everybody pretty loves high the on Rangers. The chances for the Rangers at plus 125. Are, are you falling into that boat too? N- no. Every, I mean, uh, can it happen? Yeah. But I, everybody's in love with the Rangers. I, I, it's, and it's like, you know what happens, man. When everybody's on one side, run the other way. I like this Carolina team. I think Williams is a leader. And if Williams gets them on, you know, they're they're kind of a Bondy kind of team. Um, you know, we saw all the stuff they did after the games last year. I, 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 I like Carolina as a team. Goaltending can be sketchy. But the Rangers, you got a three-horse battle for the goalie. I think it'll be Shersteekin. But... I I don't know, just too many people are doing a cartwheel about the Rangers. kind of scares me. As we look at the next series here, the Panthers and the Islanders. Islanders minus 125, Panthers plus 105. This is the closest we've got to a toss-up here in the Eastern Conference. Uh, What do you think about this series? I have a future on the Islanders, which I basically was taking a big light or two, and now the break comes. So, you know, anybody can get on a roll here. So, okay, I'll watch. And I like Barry Trotz in, in, a, in a series. He's, he's an X factor. Uh, I, I don't trust either team. I would just say to you, if you're watching and you say, oh, they, yeah, they, they look pretty good or, uh, or something's amiss with these guys, I think it's correlated. Islanders win games, low scoring. Panthers win games, high scoring. You know, I don't trust either one of them from a series perspective. I'm rooting for the Islanders because they got a, a, you know, a bad future on them. But I think they're, they're, it's a correlated series in terms of the team you like over in the games with the Panthers or under if the Islanders are dictating play.
Well, and I guess that's the question here. I mean, you know, the Islanders, very low-scoring team, one of the fewest goals scored totals in the Eastern Conference, but also one of the fewest goals allowed in the Eastern Conference. Florida just plays track meets. They're one of the highest teams in both goals for and goals against. With this long layoff, which style of play do you feel like it's more favorable for? I I couldn't... I can't say with conviction I would lend itself more to the under team simply because these guys are coming off a long layoff. And I think in time when these guys get up to speed, but it might be too late, when they get their timing back and all the all, all the you know the crisp passing and that sort of stuff is going to improve with every game, with every series, with every round. You know, so out of the gate, I would lean more to the team that plays the simplistic under kind of style, and that that just that's not the these two teams specifically. Just generally speaking, the team better in their own end playing a simple game is the way I would lean. So that would be the Islanders. Last series here of the qualifying round: Columbus and Toronto. Toronto minus a dollar sixty-five. Columbus plus one forty-five on the take back. Nobody knows who's going to be a net for the Blue Jackets yet. I think it'll be Jonas Corposalo, but ah, Morella hasn't Elks. announced it yet. So what do you think about this series? I like Columbus. I, I only like two series in the first round, and I could be wrong on both of them because, again, there are so many unknowns. I love Winnipeg in the West, and this was the one in the East. I really like Columbus. I think, okay, it's in their mind. They beat Tampa last year, but it's a completely different team. But Tortorella, they lost everybody. They went for it last year and got nothing in return for all the ufas and this guy brought them back and they played with heart uh, and some grit toronto's defense is sketchy at best they've got weapons all over the place but again if skill takes a while to get up to speed I, I at that price i just think columbus plays a dump and chase game and is, is physical and i don't think the leafs are anywhere near physical enough uh, they've got you know, the better skill set, there's no getting around that. But I, I like the plus price. I like Columbus. Real quickly here as we finish up, not NHL news, but the Washington Nationals said that they will not travel to Miami for this weekend's three-game series. So not only does Major League Baseball have this problem of all the Marlins testing positive, now teams don't want to play the Marlins. So uh, well, I guess and we'll how do you how make these? Out. But the, in this, that's exactly right. And then, But the thing is, so if, if okay, yeah, we can manage this, and the Marlins are out of the. What are you doing? Yeah, are you are these are those games forfeits? It's not fair to the teams that don't have Miami on their schedule, and the clock is ticking. You're packing hundred pounds in a fifty pound bag here. You know, missing a game means a doubleheader, which they loathe. But if if they fall, Miami falls five or six games behind, and, and all these games you're gonna make. What do you do? I mean, how are you going to complete this damn season? I've, I don't know. I have no idea. I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out. But uh, it looks like Major League Baseball well, possibly falling apart, yeah. which is not a good sign for everything else going forward. Bet your baseball while you can, folks. Yeah, there you go, Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how can people check out those two shows of yours? Uh, KSHP.com. There's the listen live function. Uh, every day, noon to two Pacific time. Uh, I put the shows up, the archive shows on my Twitter at Brian Blessing and a lot of other cool stuff. So the Twitter at Brian Blessing, um, we'll get it all out there for you. And if you 
you got time, again, there's a listen live function at KSHP.com, noon to two weekdays, Pacific time. Absolutely great to chat with Brian Blessing once again at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Brian, appreciate your time as always. Thank you so much, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, pal. Have a good week. There you go. There's Brian Blessing, sportsbookradio.com, kshp.com, at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Coming up on Thursday, a new edition of the Betters Box, assuming that there's still baseball to talk about at that point in time. I'll give you some recaps of the series here that are going on this week and preview the weekend ahead as well. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I'll talk to you again on Thursday.